0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. Here are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Super Bowl week, the week leading up to the Super Bowl, Bengals and Rams. We are super pumped. We've got our full Super Bowl preview episode today. But not only do we have NFL in place for today, we've got also NBA and PGA. And then we've got a little fun segment at the end. It's going to be related to Super Bowl, and you guys can probably guess what it is, but I'm not going to say it just yet because I want you guys to stay tuned for that. So we'll get to that at the end as usual, but yeah, we've got NFL then NBA then PGA and Matt's going to, Matt's got a a couple of things to say about PGA. PGA probably won't be too much of a topic like debate, I guess. It's going to be more of just, we're kind of, we're going to be kind of going over how the state of the PGA and kind of, um, you know, how, how the past few tournaments have gone and, and maybe previewing the, the upcoming tournament this this coming weekend so which no one will care about because the Super Bowl will be on. So I'm sure like nobody's even gonna know who wins except for Matt who's gonna be checking checking the the scores I guess during the Super Bowl probably but he's crazy like that. Matt, how was your ramen that you just ate? It's it's delicious. It I, I go
1: through phases where I'll I'll love ramen so much. And then I'll get, and I'll eat it all the time. Then I'll get sick of it. And so I'll stop eating it. And then I stop eating it for like a year or year and a half or even two years. And then I'm just like in the grocery store and I see it and I'm like, you know, I'll just get, it, because it's so cheap. Right. So you're like, all right, I'm just going to get it. I'll make it like a couple times. And then you just have it another time after having it, after not having it for like a year and a half. And you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And each pack of ramen is, is a full meal. I mean it's like a full you know bowl of pasta, you know, with a little soup on the side too. You can't get better than that. It's a full meal and it's like 30 cents. Um so you know in this day and age with the you know the inflation and everything in this economy you're getting a meal for that cheap. Of course you're gonna do it. So so that's that. But yes, as Hayden mentioned, uh it's the Super Bowl week. It's the biggest week in football. It's uh you know the last week of football. But we don't want to think about it that way, right? We're gonna we're gonna take the attitude of don't cry because it's over smile because it's ha- because it happened, um, because, yes, it's the last week of football, but there is plenty of stuff uh, to still come and there will always be football uh, and there's also other sports that don't get covered as much that we want to dive into as well, um, you know we got March Madness coming up here in about a month so that's going to be awesome. Um, and yeah, and, and as as I had mentioned, you know, we'll, we'll we'll dive all into it, all the topics, everything we can get. Going to give you our winner, going to give you our final score prediction, and I'm going to give you two betting locks in a week.
0: Dude, I've gotten into a spicy ramen thing recently. I, Matt knows what I'm talking about. It's like the spicy um, Korean noodle ramen, and it's so good. It's it's not like the powdery stuff that you mix into the water. It's more of like a it's more of like a liquid sauce that you put on top of the ramen after you drain the water out. And it's so good. It's, it's, it's really spicy. So I think it's just called like spicy chicken ramen, but it's got a bunch of like Korean lettering on the front cause it's Korean made. And so if you guys know what I'm talking about and you've ever tried it, which I highly doubt that any of you have, but I suggest you do so if you like spicy things, it, it is pretty spicy. And I'm not talking like, like mild wings of Buffalo, wild wings, spicy. I'm talking like, blazing wings at at Buffalo Wild Wings spicy. Maybe not maybe not quite that, but it's it's pretty close. So um yeah, moving into NFL here.
1: Yeah, after 5 minutes of ramen talk, let's actually start talking about sports.
0: Hey, you know, you got me on the ramen topic and I I love ramen. So, yeah. But um yeah, yeah, let's let's get on to our full Super Bowl preview. We've got again, we're kind of just going to go through, you know, some some things that we like about the matchup, some things that we don't like about the matchup and kind of how we think the game flow will go, you know, maybe some predictions on like when lead changes or leads will change, or, or maybe some hot takes on like who we think is going to be le- leading at halftime. And maybe if that'll change drastically in the second half, J- just things like that. I, th- I think we're going to try to kind of go random here um, without getting too crazy, but yeah. And then we'll give our final predictions. So I guess I don't know. I mean, just to kind of start it off here, I I do like the matchup of the offenses. And and this has kind of been the story all along with the Bengals is that like their offense is really good and their defense is all right. Their secondary kind of needs some help. But I think Jesse Bates and, and Von Bell have kind of stepped up towards the end of the season here. And especially their D-line, too. You got like Trey Hendrickson, um, Sam Hubbard. I was just listening to the part of my take podcast where Sam Hubbard was, was interviewing with them and like, he's such a cool guy. And he did make that play on Patrick Mahomes towards the end of the game in the AFC championship where it basically like sealed the game. Um, and, and yeah, he like forced a fumble on Patrick. Mahomes. That, that play was so weird, dude. That was one of those plays where Patrick Mahomes is trying to like spin out of tackles five times in the backfield. And then he runs like, 25 yards behind the line, and then tries to make a play, but um, it actually didn't work against Sam Hubbard. So that's that's kind of like where this whole Bengals defense thing comes into play. I think that the Bengals defense is a lot better than people kind of you know give credit to them for, and obviously you they wouldn't be in the Super Bowl if their defense wasn't wasn't as good as you know as they are. I guess, but um, but yeah, I, I think that a lot of people are kind of doubting the Bengals defense, and I don't want that to I don't want that to kind of hinder their performance, but um, and it probably will in turn do the opposite and kind of help them. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see the two offenses, honestly, because that's, that is the, uh, the, the focal point of, of both teams, I think, even though the Rams defense is really good too, but um, yeah, I just, I just really want to see, like, I really want to see Joe Burrow have a really big play to Jamar Chase. And I I kind of do want to see Joe Burrow, like, Kind of spread the ball around more. I don't want to really. I don't want to see just Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because it's. I don't know. It's it's going to get even more annoying. Like the everybody hyping up Joe Burrow and saying like Joe Burr and and saying how cool he is, and then Jamar Chase, you know, basically going to w- win Rookie of the Year. Um, like that's everybody hyping them up all the time is has kind of gotten old um, this past week and or I guess two weeks really. And so I'm looking for a little something different, maybe in the Super Bowl, where where you know Tyler Boyd or CJ Uzama or somebody has has a good game. And um, yeah, I I'm kind of leaving Joe Mixon out of the equation here, but um, I don't know I don't know if he'll have a big game. I I'm looking for more of a, a passing game from the Bengals because that's what they do best. And so yeah, that just one thing that like from from the Rams side is that I think the Rams are going to actually I think they're going to come out like. Really conservative. Um, and so I think that's what we're going to see from them is that we're going to see a lot of run plays, you know, maybe, maybe some play action here and there. But I think that like first half, they're going to be, they're going to be really conservative. And so I don't know how that's going to work out for them. It may, you know, wear the the Bengals defense out, but it also may work to their advantage. We'll, you know, we'll just have to see. It. But I think that's, that's two things from each team that I think we're going to see. Um, maybe, you know, first half, but second half, it, it only, Only the first half, only they taste the second half. You know, we can only predict things for the first half, so.
1: This matchup to me comes down to the comparison of the statistics versus momentum, all right? And so the way I'm going to break this down is essentially the Rams are a statistical – Dream. Okay. You have every, you know, all all stats, offense, defense, everything. I think in the in the playoffs, they've outgained their opponents by like 50 yards a game, maybe even 75 yards a game. Um, they've out, they've got they've achieved more first downs per game, I think by five first downs per game, more than their opponents this this season, or this postseason so far. Sorry, and it just for the playoffs. Um, Whereas the Bengals, both of those statistics, the Bengals are getting out gained, you know, on a per game basis. And they're also getting out first downed uh, on a per game basis. And so that's kind of why I think you see a lot of gravitation towards people just being like, you know what? The talent for the Rams is going to is going to show through. Um, and I think that's the third piece of it. Right. So you have statistics. And then you have you know momentum, which which is you know obviously as I said that that's more focused on the Bengals side where. Basically, every game that they've been in so far, aside from maybe the Raiders game, you know, the first playoff game that they, that they had, um, every game they've essentially seemed like they're either out of it or they're, you know, they don't really have a chance and then they just find a way to do it. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the, the intangibles, right? You can't, you can't really quantify the ability to produce momentum and motivation like the Bengals do. And, and like Hayden said, a lot of that revolves around, around Joe Burrow and just how, you know, he, he he gets up from everything. He doesn't let anything get him down. And, and it's so cool to see him again, like, you know, right. Everybody Everybody's loving on Joe Burrow right now. I think the coolest thing about, you know, just his demeanor and everything is the fact that, like, he truly is never too big for the moment, right? Um, or, or no, sorry, let me flip that. The moment is never too big for him uh, to where it's he's always, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. What, I mean, you've seen the quotes, right? It's like, he just walks out on the field, they're down 21 to three, and he's like, all right, cool, yeah, no problem, we're going to win this. And it's like, how do you just have so much sheer confidence and just your, and right, right. What happened? They won the game. Right. So like, he knows deep down somehow. And so that's where I think that you can't really make a true decision, you know, and, or, or not, you can't make a decision, but it's like harder to make a decision because you're saying, all right, the Rams have clearly all the advantages. They have the statistical advantage. They have the um, just player talent advantage, skills, ability, everything, uh, you know, on, on a, on a per pound basis, you know, kind of, you, what, what people do in fighting is like, if there's two boxers going up against each other they always say like a per pound, uh, you know, pound for pound, he's better than this guy, right? And so I think that if we're going to compare that to, um if we're going to compare that to this game in terms of, you know, the, the players, like pound for pound, skill-wise at their separate positions, you know, the Rams pretty much have better players in, in pretty much every position, I would say. I mean, right, Aiden mentioned, you know, Sam Hubbard and, and Trey Hendrickson. Well, the Rams have Von Miller and Aaron Donald. And it's like, you know, as as much as, as good as that Bengals D line is the the Rams defense or the Rams D line is way better. Right. Hayden mentioned the cornerbacks, the defensive backs, like Jalen Ramsey, Eric Weddle. It's like, you know what, it's like, whatever you can do, I can do better is is what the Rams are saying basically at every position here. Um, And it even translates over to offense to some extent. I think the receivers for the Bengals and and the receivers for the Rams kind of are are, are, are more equal um, than I think the defensive statistics. And so that's why I think that it, it, that's why it's going to be such a good game i think right is like it's like we're ending up with this situation where you know you you, you on paper the rams should should easily beat the Bengals, but just as the Bengals have proven in, in, in beating all these great opponents, I, I heard a stat this week at some point that said against the Ravens, Steelers, Titans, and Chiefs, which are, you know, four of the best teams in the AFC this year, the Bengals are 6-0 and against those teams, right? They beat the Steelers and the Ravens both times. They play them as divisional opponents, and then they obviously beat the Chiefs. Um, oh, no, they're actually, sorry, I, I didn't even remember that they played the Chiefs in the regular season as well. So they're seven and zero because they beat the chiefs in week 17 and in the AFC championship. So it's like all of these two, and same thing in week 17, they were, you know, they were down by bound by 14 at halftime and came back and won. So it's like all these times that you're going to doubt the Bengals, you, you really proven wrong. And, and, and that, you know, you, you really can't doubt them. And so that's the cool part about this matchup for me is just like, you know, it, it's, it's, does not necessarily, and I'm not going to say definitively, that any team is better because, you know, I I don't really like making predictions like that because who, who cares? Like it's, we're supposed to be enjoying the game. Right. And it's supposed to be the two best teams in the NFL. And I think that's what we got clearly. I mean, you know, all the best teams have played each other and this is what we ended up with. And I think that it's, you know, maybe a little bit more of an underrated in terms of the, the, you know, the fan bases for each team may not as be as big as, you know, right. Like the, like the 49ers or the Cowboys or Steelers or whatever, but uh But I think that, right, overall, like you end up with a matchup that's like confusing from a surface level. But then, you know, when you try to dive deeper and you say, you know, okay, well, clearly the Rams are a better team, but are you going to doubt the Bengals? Because every time they've been doubted, they've come back and won the game. So it's like, that's what really makes it interesting to me. And that's what I'm so excited to, to, um, to watch. Hayden mentioned the offenses. um, And I think I, you know, I tend to agree with him on that. And I just think that the offenses are going to be fun to watch, but I do think that Hayden is exactly right in the sense that both, I think both teams are going to come out slow, methodical, you know, trying to get, get their groove, see what the other team is doing on defense before we're making any, any big plays or, or, or crazy moves there. And so, you know, from that perspective, then I think it's going to be more interesting to watch the defensive battle and just how, because we know how prolific these offenses can be, right? The total for this game in Vegas is set at like 40, I think it's like 48, 48 and a half, depending on where you look. And, and so, you know it's it's projected to be a higher scoring game but would we would be would would we be surprised if this game was you know 35 to 30 no right so it's like that's the cool part too is that we could end up with a with a, a sleeper of a game where it ends up you know hard fought matchup ends up you know 10 to 3 or 13 to 3 like the rams you know, scored in their last Super Bowl, which was against the Patriots, and they lost 13 to three in 2017 uh, or 2018. And then, or it could be, like I said, a huge high scoring game. So I think that that's cool too, is just the unknown of really how this game can go, both on the side of, and it's funny that I'm kind of relating it to a betting perspective. It's like the side and the total, right? So the spread, like, It it could be, it's it's probably going to be a really close game. Maybe not. It might be a blowout, but projected to be a a close game. And I think it will be a close game. You don't really know who's going to win. And then for the total as well, like this could be a really low scoring game, could be a really high scoring game, could be in the middle. Um, And so that's, that's really what I think that is the best part about this game is that there's just... It, there is so much unknown. And just from the fact that you're, you know, you're looking at these teams and both of them have such different capabilities and and projections and motivations coming into the game. Uh, it's just going to be awesome to see how they're able to, uh, you know, to capitalize on these advantages in either way, because they are so different overall. So um, yeah. So like I said, you know, super excited for it. And uh, you know, I, I know I didn't necessarily get into a lot of football stuff, but I feel like that's kind of, you know, what's the point, right? It's a Super Bowl. Like I, I don't want to be breaking down a cover three right now. I just want to talk about who's going to win. Uh, so yeah. So th- those are my thoughts. Um, and I'm not sure if Hayden has anything else to say, or if we're going to move on to the next topic, but, uh, um, or actually, no, let's, let's do our, let's do our final predictions here. So Hayden, give your, uh, who you think is going to win and what you think the score will be.
0: Well, yeah, well, for, first, before I, I give my prediction and everything, I kind of just want to say one more thing is that with the, with the over under like the, the total score of the game, I think it used to be like 50 and a half or 51 and a half. I think it went down to 48 and a half. Um, and so that's, that's kind of interesting because it was project, it was projected to be more. And now apparently it's, I guess they probably got a lot of, a lot of under bets. And so they moved it down. Um, but uh, yeah, like that's, that that's kind of, it may be telling something about how the game's going to go. And, and I didn't even really factor that into my, my prediction of, the game kind of starting out slow for the Rams, but um, but I guess I guess that kind of helps that prediction or supports that prediction, which is good. Another thing that I want to say is that like I think for this game, a lot of people, I mean everybody's rooting for the Bengals. Like it, it's at this point, it's it's clear that you ask anybody who likes football who like isn't really that interested in football, everybody knows that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl and everybody wants them to be the winner at the end of the day. But one thing that like, and I think a lot of longtime football fans can appreciate this. And it's that I want Matthew Stafford to win a ring. And that's, and it's just like, I don't know whose side to take because it's like, yeah, Matthew Stafford deserves a ring. If he gets one, he's going to, you know, he's definitely a hall of famer and everything like that. But then on the other side of it, it's like, well, there's also this franchise that hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years before this year. And the next time that they do, Win a uh, playoff game after 31 years, they get to the Super Bowl. It's like it—it's crazy. Like it's—it's—it's a—it's a, it's a tale of like two just impossible things happening. I guess you know nobody ever thought that Matthew Stafford was gonna get to a Super Bowl with the Lions, or, or you know even make the playoffs with the Lions. And so, right, it's just kind of it's—it's it's weird seeing both of these sides here, the Bengals team, and then Matthew Stafford. Seeing both of them here is just kind of. It's kind of weird, you know, seeing them both in the Super Bowl, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess for my my final prediction for the game, I I think the I think the Rams are gonna win it again. I Matt kind of said is, you know, he 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 said it's like talent versus big plays and kind of unpredictability, and I think at this point it's the Super Bowl. I think the talent's really gonna show through, um, and I I think Matthew Matthew Stafford is gonna be able to get it done. He didn't come all this way just to lose in the super bowl i guarantee you he's more experienced than joe burrow yes joe burrow is cool he's joe burr but he's he hasn't been in the league for you know 13 14 years at this point so i think when it comes down to it it's going to be experience um you know kind of just being able to handle handle the pressure i think joe burrow even said in some interviews like i think there was this past week he said like all the social like the social aspect of being in the Super Bowl and making it this far, just hasn't really, hasn't really hit him yet, and like it, he, it hasn't really set in. This like that part he's not really used to, but he's he's used to the football part. But I think that maybe that kind of like social recognition recognition is is maybe going to get to him um, in the Super Bowl. He may be like putting himself under too much pressure and that kind of thing. So yeah, I I, th- I think the Rams are going to come out on top. Um, And I guess to to give a a final score again, I didn't really think about this, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go 27 to, I'm going to go 27, 17 Rams win it by 10.
1: All righty. Yeah. As much as I would like to pick the bangles in this, I just think I'm going to go with the Rams as well. Um, And, and again, this is just basically kind of what I was saying all of, you know, my whole topic before was like, as you, like you look at the Rams and you're like, they're, they're the better team. They should win this game. But it's like, you know, there's always going to be that factor of like the Bengals have made it work. Right. Joe Burrows made it work when it, when it counts, the defense has played out of their minds when it counts. And so it's like, you know, as I mentioned before, like they don't have Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, all these guys, but like, it hasn't really mattered because you know, when, when it, when it does matter, they show up and they, and they do what they, they do, what they need to do. So um yeah, I'm gonna pick the Rams too. I'm gonna say 28 to 24. Um, I know the spread is four, but believe me, that's that's not my betting lock. Okay. I got two of them and that's not one of them. And so I'm gonna pick it by the spread just so because I, I literally think that's what the score is gonna be. Um, and I cause I think it's gonna be I guess it's gonna be pretty close, but not, you know, kind of one of those deals where it's like. You know, not any last-second heroics. It'll probably just end up like that. Uh, you know, as much as as much as we have had some really crazy games throughout the NFL playoffs so far, I don't see this this game as being one. Obviously, I hope it is, right? I hope I hope I'm wrong. And, and Evan McPherson kicks like a 58-yard field goal to win it. You know, at the last second, and he gets Super Bowl MVP and all this stuff. I'd be so great, right? But uh, but just in terms of my own prediction, yeah, I think that. Talent wise, you know, just statistically wise, um, I can't. I can't really deny that the success of the Rams so far, and it's in their home stadium, right? I mean, like we haven't really even really mentioned that yet, and it's like that's a huge advantage. Now, again, as we have mentioned before, the Rams don't really have a home field advantage because, like, they just don't have that many fans. Um, And I I literally wouldn't be surprised if there's more Cincinnati fans there than there are Rams fans. But it's like just being in your home stadium, not having to travel across the country, being in your own weather. You know, like, I think that's just like, even the weather is just its own thing. So it's like, the Bengals have like just their practice facility in general, their practice facilities outside. All right. And so they've just practiced in the cold for however long so far. And yeah, that works out when you're going to Tennessee and Kansas city and these places who were, you know, have outside stadiums, you know, which are, you know, in the cold at this point and at this point in the winter. Um, But, but like practicing outside for half a week and then traveling to LA, you know, halfway across the country to, to where it's like hot there, you know, this whole week. And then you're playing in a dome. It's just like, that is a, I think a big mental toll that just kind of goes unnoticed. Now, again, as we mentioned, like if, if, if the Bengals have overcome, you know, going to Kansas city and winning after being down by 18 points, then that's pretty much, that's way more of like having the odds stacked against you than it is just going to the Rams, you know, Ram stadium and, and playing in a, in a bigger game. But uh, yeah, I just think that that, that's also a big kind of undermentioned, uh, you know, advantage there for the Rams where like, yeah, you, you know, you may not have the greatest uh, home field advantage in terms of your fans being loud and whatever, but you at least just like, be you know it's just like another week for them, right? And, and they play the NFC Championship game at home, so it's like they've had basically an entire month to just chill in LA, and, and you know, and then just you know walk to their home stadium all the time, and just so it's like a completely regular week for them, you know, business as usual. And I think that's also a big advantage too. So yeah, so I'll, I'll pick the Rams to win twenty eight to twenty four.
0: Alrighty, sounds good. Well, with that being said, you've got our Super Bowl predictions. There was our preview. that's what you came for then fine but i I advise you to keep on listening because we've got some good some good nba and and pga stuff coming up and of course our our super bowl fun segment of the day coming at the end so moving on to nba here the nba trade deadline is this thursday at 3 p.m so it's two days i guess less than two full days from now and um pretty much all that we've heard this week is everybody crying wolf regarding where the nets are, are at right now in terms of Trading James Harden, not trading James Harden, whatever. Um, and so now everybody's saying that the the 76ers are trying to give Ben Simmons to the Nets for James Harden. And that's been like, that, that's been a story for the past couple of days. Um, but the weird thing here is, and I, I guess I'm going to try to give background on this first before we kind of discuss it um, and discuss what's best for the Nets. But the weird thing here is that Steve Nash actually came out and said that. Nobody from the 76ers or any other organization in the NBA um, has like actually contacted the, I guess, like the front office for for the Nets. So basically like the front office for the Nets told Steve Nash that nobody has contacted them, has kind of let them know that they want, that they, you know, are, are interested in James Harden, anything like that. But yet the 76ers are in tell i guess like telling reporters that they don't i don't know i saw i saw a bleacher report notification today that said like the 76ers have told reporters that they um they they want they hope that the nets will see the light in like in trading James Harden and they hope that they won't that the nets won't leave it and you know leave it to free agency to kind of take James Harden for, from them and not and then not get anything in return it was kind of weird like how they worded it um it's it's, it's almost like it's almost like it's a weird like social media breakup. It's like, dude, everybody the, the 76ers are, you know, ple- basically pleading to get uh to get James Harden, but apparently they haven't contacted the Nets. They're kind of just being like passive aggressive and doing it in a weird way where they like, you know, tell reporters and 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 I guess tell the media that they really want James Harden, but they haven't even contacted the Nets themselves. They can't even man up to do that. So maybe, I mean, maybe they have and and the Nets front office is just like, not, they're saying that they're, that nobody's contacted them because they're not entertaining it, entertaining it at all, which I guess would make sense. Um, and would, you know, that would obviously calm down the media about everything, but yeah, it's just a weird situation. And again, it's like, it, it's really confusing because it's two days before the trade deadline and, all this is coming out and it's like, is is something really going to get done in the next two days, especially when the 76ers, were, you know, have apparently haven't even contacted the Nets about anything yet? Um, I don't really know. But uh, I guess the question here is like, if we're the Nets, you know, the Nets front office, like what do we think is best for our, for our organization? I'm going to hand it over to Matt here to kind of give his thoughts on that.
1: I mean, you already mentioned it, right? Like the 76ers can say all they want but the Nets aren't going to do this trade. Like, this is the most simple thing in my mind. I don't understand why people are getting so, upworked, so worked up about it. It's like, you, if you're the Nets, why would you give away James Harden, arguably a top five NBA player right now, for Ben Simmons, obviously, you may get draft picks, you may get money, whatever else, in free agency, it doesn't matter, like, if you have a big three on the Nets right now, there's absolutely no reason you're training for Ben Simmons, who literally, like, has to be coddled in this perfect little environment that's set up for him, and to be able to be, to be successful, the most successful place that he would be is on the Warriors, like, hands down, and that's not going to happen, because the Warriors aren't going to give up any of their pieces, so it's like, I don't know why this is still going on. It shouldn't be going on. Hayden already mentioned that like the 76ers say that they haven't reached out because they're like crafting this huge deal. No, that's definitely not what's happened. They have 100% already reached out to the Nets and the Nets are like, Hey, cool. So you're trying to talk to us. Well, no, you're not going to because we're not going to entertain anything that you have to say regarding this. And why should they? Because it doesn't make any sense. So that's my whole read on the situation is like, it's in the news because they're huge stars and, you know, maybe it could happen, but it's not going to, because like you wouldn't take that trade. Like you, you just wouldn't. And and so, you know, really what get it kind of gets lost in this is the fact that like the Sixers are the one seed in the East right now, right. They're playing well, right. Without Ben Simmons. And so it's like, you could very easily like you're gonna get something for him eventually. Like you wouldn't just you know drop him as a free agent, but it's like you're not gonna get any type of even close to like star talent. Like they like they were trying to trade him for uh you know to the Kings for like Tyrese Halliburton and uh, and and um and Buddy Heald. Obviously, we saw that go through today with the Pacers sending the Devant- Devontae Sabonis to the Kings for for Halliburton and 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 uh, and Buddy Heald. But it's like. The, pay, the, the Kings didn't even want to do that. Like, the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, who have, like, not made the playoffs in 10 years and not ever, I think, won a championship. Like, they're not even going to take a trade that involves Ben Simmons, you know, to give away even two of their best players because it just doesn't make sense. So it's like, why would you want Harden? Now, there has been a lot coming out about how Harden is kind of just, I think, just fed up with the whole drama situation with Kyrie and, and just – you know, and, and he's playing and but then KD's hurt. And so it's like he's kinda and you know, obviously Kyrie's playing the the away games, but like that probably creates a weird dynamic where it's like, okay, you're only here for half the games. So like, what's the point of even me showing up? And we obviously know from all the stories that went on in Houston that Harden himself is is very let's say lackluster in his preparation for, for these games and whatever. Um, you know, Basically he, he'll, he'll spend a night at the club until 5 a.m. the night before a game show up for a game, still drop a triple double 30 point triple double because he's just amazing like that. Um, but but that's kind of just his way of doing things. And so he's been criticized in the past too where it's like dude, if you want to win a championship, that's going to say, if you're going to say that that's your ultimate goal then you got to act like it. you got to prepare you got to do like, do we see Giannis doing any of this type of stuff? No. And what happened? Giannis dropped 50 points in a game six finals game and closed out the suns in four straight games. That's exactly what he did. And he won a championship. If Harden doesn't want to win a championship, that's totally fine. Now I know I'm getting a little little carried away on this Harden topic, but I just think that it really, there's no, I don't think there's a solution here and and it's going to be talked about for the next two days until the, until the trade deadline, the trade deadline is going to come and go, there's going to be no mention of anything and the teams are just going to go on, you know, as, as their normal selves and just, and just continue to, you know, continue to be as they are. And so really what this is looking for is, or kind of what we're looking towards here. Is like, what is the, what's the objective, right? So, so what's the end goal for these teams individually? I mentioned that the Sixers have the one seed now, and they may end up very well end up with the one seed by the end of the, you know, by the end of the regular season. But it's like, if you're telling me that the Nets are still the three seed now and their player, I think maybe four seed because the Heat, Heat have got, no, got the, Nets. Here. the Nets,
0: the yeah. Nets are like the they're seventh in the East. Oh, really? They They dropped that far? Well, yeah, Yeah, true. They've lost eight games in a row. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at the standings very much, but I knew that they lost eight games in a row. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're down there a little bit, but like they're basically just coasting into the playoffs now. I mean, I would too. Like, don't play your players as, you know, don't play your stars, the big three, as much as you possibly can, still make the playoffs, and then just bank on the fact that like your big three is one of the best big three in the history of the NFL. history of the NBA and that you're going to be able to out talent and outperform any other team that you face with exception of the bucks, uh, basically until you basically reach the Eastern conference finals. And that's the thing too, is like the Nets last year didn't even reach the Eastern conference finals. They had a bunch of, you know, they had a bunch of injuries and Harden didn't play and Kyrie and whatever. Um, But, but we saw what KD did at the beginning of the season without Kyrie and Harden, like the dude literally carried the Nets to the one seed by himself, like by his dang self carry the team on his shoulders, did everything he could. and, and, And they were still one of the best teams in the East. So yeah i mean i've talked a ton about basically everything except this this trade just because like i said i don't think it's going to happen i think that the sixers like they they're you know pushing it to the media and making themselves look good and making making it look like there's still a chance and they're basically just putting on a ruse right they're 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 just like they're putting on a a, a, they're like masquerading this to make the sixers look better because it's like we haven't offered anything yet so like wait till we offer something and it's like you, you don't have the leverage in this situation, and the Nets are going to say no to, or should say no to everything and anything that you do offer. So, like, we, we're just going to stop talking about this. And, right, Thursday, Thursday is going to come and go. We're going to stop talking about it. And then whatever happens in the playoffs happens. But, I mean, in my mind, like, if the Nets keep their big three and then the Sixers have – just Joel Embiid and like Tobias Harris and sometimes Seth Curry, like that's not gonna that you're not gonna beat the nets, uh, with those guys. And so, the real loser, I'm not gonna go on uh, on this topic, I could go on for longer, but like the real loser in this is Joel Embiid, who's like basically making his case for MPs. He's basically the MVP of the league, um, and is getting, I mean, he's getting credit for it, but it's like he's the person who is single-handedly carrying his team to the one seed right now. And all he's doing is just sitting, you know, putting his head down and playing. He's getting no help from, his other teammates as well as the organization in trying to get something together for this guy so right i think he's the real loser and i also think that the trade's not going to happen and i also think that none of it's going to matter because in the play when it comes time for the playoffs the nets are going to be healthy and they're going to roll everyone in the east and it's going to be the bucks and the nets in the eastern conference finals once again uh and so none of this really matters at the end of the day which obviously kind of you know defeats the purpose of me talking about it but still those are my those are my thoughts and i think i'm very accurate and if I'm not then I will come on here and I said that I won't or that I wasn't but uh, that would be super interesting if it did happen but yeah it's just not going to
0: yeah I think you're exactly right I I don't think the trade's gonna happen at all either I think it's just a bunch of hubbub and yeah like n- nothing's gonna happen big with James Harden he's gonna stay in Brooklyn and he's gonna you know yeah he, he's, he's gonna do his thing the, the only thing I'm kind of worried about is He is getting a little, like Matt said, or he kind of alluded to is like James Harden's attitude, it seems a little bit off again. And that this is what happened in Houston with the Rockets. It's like towards the end of, of his time in Houston, he started to get a little bit like James Harden, like in, in, in in the way that like, he doesn't really play to his full potential. Um, You know, he, he plays well, he's a really good player. And even when he's not playing to his full potential, he's good enough to be. At every other player's level, if not you know slightly above still, but um, but yeah, I think that he's he's like Matt said. I think with the whole Kyrie situation and Kevin Durant being hurt and everything like that, he's getting a little bit kind of like antsy and a little bit unsure. Um, and I guess I'm I'm sure that the Nets have kind of like reassured him. We're not gonna do anything with you. This you know regarding the trade deadline and everything like that. You're not going to the 76ers. Honestly, if I was him, dude, I probably wouldn't even really be mad if I was going to, I, if I'm him, I kind of want to go to the 76ers, you know, which is kind of interesting. Cause it's like, you have both or, well, you have the next organization who's like, no, we're never going to trade him at all. Um, because, you know, he's part of our big three and he's, he's part of the reason why we're going to go win a championship this year. But then you also have the 76ers. Who's like, they're still like I said, they're still in first in the East. Like it's it's kind of dude, if they got James Harden, they would be like so good. That would automatically put them basically in the NBA finals. Um, if you have James Harden and Joel Embiid, like the, the stuff that Joel Embiid is doing there, like Matt said, pretty much on his own is just incredible and very MVP esque. And so if you add James Harden to that team. Um, I again I wouldn't be mad if I was James Harden and I was getting traded to the 76ers so that's kind of weird like that dynamic between James Harden probably not being opposed to doing that and then the Nets being like absolutely not you're staying with us Um, it's kind of like you know I guess like a little kid who, who wants to run away wants to go to college and then their parents are like no we want you to stay here and whatever be our little kid forever. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of like that. That was kind of a weird analogy, but, um, but I think that's that, that that's how it's going to be from here on out. And like Matt said, we are going to see the nets again, barring any kind of weird thing where they like drop even lower in the, in the East standings, They're they're probably going to get it together before the end of the season. I've talked about this a little bit with my roommate will, and that like, basically, even though yes, Kevin Durant's been hurt, Um, and, and Kyrie Irving doesn't play home games and he only plays like, you know, some of the games, whatever, if you have two out of the three of those guys on the floor, you know, most of the time you should be better than, I I, I think they're 29 and 24 right now. Like you should be better than 29 and 24. You shouldn't have 24 losses with at least two of those guys playing, um, at, at one time. And again, like we're, we're looking at, you know, the big three on the nets, the rest of their team, it's not like the rest of their team is just a bunch of like plumbers. Like they're, you know, I again, like they, it's not, it's not like the best team, you know, whatever, but it's like they're, they're still NBA players. So it's like, you know, even, even if you are missing one or two guys on the floor at a time out of those big three, you still have a a, a pretty decent team of NBA players around you. Um, and so I I think that there's not really any excuse for their record right now. But again, like Matt said, I think that, um, the consensus here is that like, that's, they'll be okay. You know, it's kind of like that Aaron Rogers thing where it's like, relax, we're going to get this all figured out, you know, trade, after the trade deadline passes and all the weird stuff in the media is gone um about trading J- James Harden. Then I think they're going to start to kind of turn it up from here on out. So it'll be cool to see what happens with that. Um, But yeah, definitely excited to, to kind of see where the rest of the season takes them because I think the Nets, are a team that everybody wants to see kind of do well because they, again, yeah, they do have stars on their team, but um, they've had so much, so many complications with Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant being hurt and kind of not really being able to <clears throat> get over that hump, I guess, um, to, to get to the finals. So if Matt, if Matt doesn't have anything else to say, we can probably get to golf here.
1: Yeah. Let's move right. on to golf. Um, so Jordan Spieth blew a two shot lead with four holes to play at the AT&T Pro-Am at uh, Pebble Beach this weekend. That's where the that's where the uh, the PGA tournament was. Um, obviously, Jordan Spieth, big name. If you're not uh, even a super great, great fan of golf, you know about Jordan Spieth. He went on an insane run in 2014, and then basically hasn't really won much since. He's always been at the top of the you know in, in terms of just competitors and and just you know in finishing position, whatever. Um, but he hasn't really done it like he did uh, you know you know seven or eight years ago, winning a bunch of majors and stuff. He, he's won pretty much you know one tournament a year Um, so he was looking good he was in prime position now it's interesting because we did have a record set after 36 holes, which is you know, Thursday and Friday. So at the time of the cut, moving in the weekend, Seamus Power, uh, Irish golfer. This guy, this guy's a beast. He won the Barracuda last year, and I think in about June or something. Uh, the Barracuda is obviously played alongside, I think, the Scottish Open or something where they're not, there's not a ton of great PGA players playing. Um, but Seamus Power got, got the job done there. And a lot of people liked him to win this this past week. He looked great. Right, he, he set a thirty-six hole record. He shot a sixty-four, eight under sixty-four in both of his Thursday and Friday rounds. He had a five-shot lead going into Saturday, and this dude finished outside the top twenty. He shot over par both Saturday and Sunday, and just he kind of just he kind of just blew it away. Um, but it's funny because we don't even really realize that after seeing what happened on Sunday with Jordan Spieth. Now the interesting thing is. Jordan Spieth's kind of journey to being in the lead of this tournament was the exact opposite of Seamus Powers, right? Jordan Speeth was, I think, you know, probably tied for 30th or something, uh, you know, after, after the after the Thursday and Friday rounds. He was 11 shots back. Um, so, so Seamus Powers minus 16. Uh, Jordan Spieth is minus five. And we get to Sunday, and, and you know, by the time we're we're sitting halfway through the round on Sunday, Jordan Spieth is 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 in the lead by two by two strokes. So he had an insane comeback. He shot an eight under 64 on Saturday, and then he was looking prime to do the same exact thing again on Sunday. But as I mentioned, that did not happen. Um, he basically was just. I don't know. I I can't even really describe it too well. Like he, he kind of just, he was he was playing really well early and then just kind of played I think he probably saw somewhere that on the leaderboard that he did have the lead and then he kind of just I think probably tried to coast and and play it safe that didn't end up working out um he had an approach shot on 17 that basically would have been perfect if it hadn't have basically and then the whole location was weird because it was like right before the front bunker laying up into the hole and he hit it straight into the bunker instead of hitting it onto the green and if he would have hit it on the green it would have been easy tap in birdie instead he bogey the hole and, and that that really kind of cost him, cost him the win right there. So, anyway, the uh, the moral of the story is there were a lot of blown leads, but the guy who didn't blow the lead is the guy who won the tournament, and that's Tom Hoagie. we have never heard of him really before because it's his first PGA Tour win. He's been good at these longer tracks, right? These California tracks with the with the Poa grass and everything. Um, and so he's he he kind of came out of nowhere, um, but but kind of people were expecting him to do well. He came, I think, tied for. Third, I think he was, he was top five, and to some extent, um, at the Amex at Tory Pines last week, or the the, you know, the couple weeks before, and so you know, we kind of had something going in to say, you know, this guy is good at long tracks, you know, he, he's able to do so, but the shots that he made to close out this tournament, I mean, he had, a, I, I don't even exactly remember what holes, holes they were on, but, uh, but his approach shots were, were on point. And then he nailed a 12 foot put on, on basically 16, I think, um, to pretty much Isaac because Jordan Spieth had already finished his round by then. So um, yeah, so obviously congrats to Tom Hoagie and just, the, the kind of the impression that we're going to get from overall from this tournament is that the randomness of golf is back, which is great because you can follow it the entire weekend and you still have no idea what the heck is going to happen. Um, You know, and that's why Sunday is so great. So definitely that, that was really cool to see. I think, um, you know, and and I'll kind of hand it over to Hayden. I don't know if, I don't know if you watched any of it Hayden or, or you caught up with it, but uh, you know, but, but share anything that you got.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch any of it at all. Actually, I was going to say I didn't watch most of it, but I, I actually, yeah, I didn't watch any of it at all. But um, I see. And this is the thing about golf for me is like, I guess, with other things going and I and this past weekend, there wasn't that much going on in, in sports. But um, I, again, I'm, I'm really trying to immerse myself in college basketball at this point. I'm really trying to get get on my stuff because then I can be ready for March Madness. Again, there probably is no way to be ready for March Madness this year because it's going to be just insane. So many upsets um, and nobody's going to know what's happening. But yeah, with I I guess with this thing, like and and Matt wrote out this topic. And so I I read it, obviously, I read it once before we started we started recording. (laughs) And it's just like it. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how, you know, a guy like Seamus Power, who who, you know, set a 36 hole course record um, and had such great momentum, you know, going into day three, kind of just like fell apart um, at the end there. And that, you know, that, that kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of those things is like being conservative in golf can, can really kind of like hinder you a lot. Um, and, and one thing, I guess, I don't know, I, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I guess uh, make my, make my argument more, um, flamboyant, I guess with the, with these analogies, but like it's, it's actually, you can, you can compare this to a golf swing. And it's that it's, it's like a known thing that if you decelerate on the way down on a golf swing, it's going to be, you're either going to like chunk it or thin it or whatever. It's going to be a bad shot basically. And so I think that's kind of like the way that golf works for, for players that have a lead. It's like, if you start to decelerate towards the end, and if you start to kind of slow your play down and, and, and get a little bit too, um, A little bit too conservative, then yeah, you're you're probably gonna lose that lead, or somebody's gonna, um, somebody's gonna creep up on you who's going full fledged and who's you know taking risks and trying to, trying to hit the green on a second shot on a par five. So it's just like yeah, that that kind of thing. I can see how that, um, how that happens. But again, yeah, like Matt said, the the randomness of golf is back, and I think that you know I it's 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 great for the game because you know going into going into I guess like the the, the tournaments coming up, the big, you know, like the masters and everything. We don't, we still don't have that for a couple months here, but it's just like these guys who are winning majors now, you know, they could have a good showing in the masters, you know, have a good showing in, in, in the ones coming up in the summer. So yeah, it's, it's good. It's also good to see a guy like Tom Hoagie win, who we haven't seen win a major at all yet. Um, and so maybe he'll be kind of one of those names that, um, is, is, is lingering, you know, maybe not the top, but kind of towards the bottom, but has a chance to, to kind of make a run in one of these tournaments to come up. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on it. Um, I guess Matt, you can move on to the second topic that you have.
1: Yep. So the, uh, they simultaneously to the AT&T program at Pebble beach, there was the Asian DP world tour held in Dubai this past weekend. Obviously, as I said, kind of going on at the same time, uh, as this tournament, the difference is 15 of the top 30 golfers in the world played in this tournament, the Asian DP world tour. Have you ever heard of that? No, you haven't. And it's because basically they hold two tournaments in, in the, you know, kind of the, the Arabian Peninsula, right? So you have the Dubai tournament this past week. And then th- the same week that the, uh, that the Amex is held at Tory Pines, it was that um, the the, uh, the Abu Dhabi was played in, in, in Saudi Arabia as well. And so, Basically what happens with these, specifically these two tournaments, is that the Saudi Arabian government is just like, all right, we're going to get the greatest players to play our tournament, and we're going to pay them seven, eight figures in order to do so, all right? And so that is the reason that we didn't see, you know, Dustin Johnson and Xander Shoffley and, and, and you know, and all these good Justin Thomas at the at the uh at the at and ATT Pro on the Pebble Beach, we saw them at the AP or the DP World Tour um in Dubai because they literally were paid. I think Dustin Johnson was paid seven million dollars just to compete in the tournament. It didn't matter where he finished, it didn't matter how well he did, but they just wanted the star power, man. And I totally love it. Um, and the funny part is Harold Varner the third. Ended up winning this tournament uh, in dramatic fashion, actually. By the way, so he was leading after three rounds. He was leading after Saturday. Went into Sunday. I think he shot. He was shooting even par, but but Bubba Watson had made it run. And Watson, I think, was was one shot in front of Harold Varner as they kind of went down the back straightaway here. And on literally the last hole, um, everybody's thinking, oh, okay, you know, if if because I think Bubba Watson had parted, so he was in uh, at at uh, sixteen under or whatever it was. And 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 everybody was saying, okay, Harold Varner the third, like you know, if he buries it, he'll he'll tie Bubba Watson. They'll go into a playoff, all that jazz. And this man, as Hayden mentioned, you know, trying to go for the green and two, that's exactly what he did. He hit the green, and then he hit like a fifty foot putt for eagle, and won the tournament on the last hole of the game. And it was great. They did a great shot of like you know, Bubba Watson ran over and congratulated him because this is kind of you know Harold Varner the third, like he's kind of been a you know he he's he's one of those guys that like has always been in contention in a lot of tournaments, but just never been able to close the door. Right. So he's held leads late into Sunday and then always kind of just choked them or, or, you know, miss some shots here and there or another guy's just kind of come from behind and really, you know, sprinted past him. And so, he was finally able to, to to win this one. Right. And so that was that was a cool part about this. But but yeah, I think the bigger story here is literally how much these star players got paid to just participate in the golf tournament. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously, I'm not going to make any indictments, uh, you know, as of right now. But I think that this could really prove some for some disparity in the competition and how this could impact the PGA tour going forward. If, if these other tournaments worldwide are going to be offering these golfers way more money to play in their tournaments, these golfers are going to go where the money is, right? Like, why wouldn't you, I would do that. Uh, And so then, so the PGA tour kind of ends up as this, this like, you know, professional and classic and, and glossed over, you know, very, very sleek, uh, you know, professional sports organization, who like yes you know they, they, there's the the prize money for winning a lot of these tournaments is great and you can you could even you could finish in the top 20 and still make over 100 grand in every tournament right so it's like you still will end up making a lot of money but that's like that's based on your finishing position all right the PGA tour is not giving you a check just to play in the in the in the you know in the, in the golf tournament here you have to swing some clubs right so yeah so that's kind of the big story coming out of this is that like this could actually become a thing obviously the PGA tour has. All of the, you know, they still have all. They still have the Masters. They still have the PGA Championship. They still have the U.S. Open. So, like, you know, the majors will still consist of the PGA Tour, and that'll be the FedEx the FedEx Cup. Right, like at the end of the at the end of the you know the end of the the summer swing, there, like you win the fifteen million dollars if you get the if you win the tour championship, and then you have the FedEx Cup playoffs and all that. So it's like. There's plenty of money within the PGA Tour, and all of the guys are going to end up competing in those things. But if you think about it, this could yeah it could shake things up a little bit, you know, in the next couple of years here. Um, and then our last golf tournament or golf topic, I'm not going to go too long on this one, is the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Is this weekend? That's right. It's the same weekend as the Super Bowl. It actually is every single year. Uh, it's said to be one of the most entertaining tournaments of the season. Not necessarily, well, because there's a there's a bunch of good golfers. Like the field is stacked but also just because the the fans that go there are like these crazy party guys from like Arizona and they just like go absolutely crazy. And and they treat it like they literally treat it like a college bar instead of a golf tournament, which is funny because like the the vibe at a golf tournament is like supposed to be the exact opposite of a college bar, but not at the waste management Phoenix open, which is I think why a lot of people love this tournament is because you get to watch it and there's a bunch of stars there. And, you know, you get to see that on top of the golf that's already happening. Um, So like I said before too, like the the field is stacked. It's going to be a really great, uh, you know, a a great, a great golf tournament, in my opinion, to to see who's able to pull this out. Um, And so, you know, so I think that, Obviously, I'm biased in this, but you should watch the Waste Management Phoenix Open leading up to the Super Bowl. And the good thing is it's going to end like right when the Super Bowl starts. All right. So you're going to have you're going to have your time to basically consume all of this golf content in your way up until the Super Bowl. Because there's not much. Right. The Super Bowl is kind of it's at like six o'clock Eastern on a Sunday night. And it's like, dude, it's Tuesday night right now when we're recording this. Like we got four days to do nothing. No, you have four days to watch golf. All right. So. What my, uh, what my, what my prognostication on this is that wait, the, wait wait,
0: wait, wait, before, before you move on, I want to, I want to just talk about, uh, what's his name? Oh, the, the Harold uh, Varner shot, dude, it was actually 92 foot putt and oh my God. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was 92 feet, which is like literally impossible. Like dude, yeah. he, he swung his putter. Like he was like doing like a 60 yard like a chip baseball bat i know dude it was insane like and then and then afterwards if you guys haven't seen it yet go look it up on youtube just look up like just look up hv3 that's his nickname thing just look up h3 hv3 92 foot putt and um yeah you'll see like dude his his caddy comes up to him after obviously after he makes the putty he kind of like struts around he's like let's go He's you know he's flexing and everything like that and then and then his caddy comes up and literally just jumps into his arms, like latches onto him. <laughs> it was like, dude, it was the weirdest thing ever. But it was like, it was kind of wholesome too. Um, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, it was 92 foot putt, which was crazy. Like that's literally unheard of. And it was for eagle, and it was literally to beat Bubba Watson and, and win the tournament. But yeah, man, you can you can go on with your with your funny thing here that you're going to my,
1: my amazing prognostication analogy yes, is sir. that the waste Management phoenix open is the perfect super bowl appetizer now speaking of super bowl appetizers that is what the fun segment is this week uh me and hayden are each going to give two of our favorite eats on super bowl sunday so uh, we'll take turns here hayden what is your first favorite super bowl appetizer or it doesn't have to be an appetizer it can be a main course can be anything you really want to say but let's let's hear it
0: yeah, well, I would, I, first thing I, I think I would say that a lot of Super Bowl foods are appetizers. I, don't, I can't really think of like a, a main course that we have on Super Bowl. I guess I guess like pizza, but again, pizzas, you, you can get pizza anytime. So my Super Bowl appetizer, my first favorite Super Bowl appetizer is, is gonna be, I don't even really know what you call them and I don't really like, I guess they're not really that common, but it's the it's like the ham and cheese mini sandwiches with like the Hawaiian buns or like the sweet, the sweet buns. But yeah, it's, it's like, it's like ham and cheese and you put it in, in, you like layer it. You have these like layers of Hawaiian buns and then you um they're like already cut up into little squares, but it's like a sheet of them. And then you put on ham and cheese and then you put on the top layer and then you put on like butter on the top and then you bake it or cook it or whatever in the oven. And it's, dude, it's literally like heavenly. It's so good. Um, so, yeah, that's actually probably my favorite. I, again, I don't really know what to call them, but they're like mini ham and cheese sandwiches.
1: That's right. You throw a little spicy mustard on there. Oh, my God. Give it to me, baby. But, yeah, anyway, so my first uh, – Favorite Super Bowl appetizer, favorite Super Bowl eat is gonna be. I'm gonna go classic on this one. I'm gonna say wings, chicken wings. There, you you can't go wrong, dude. I mean, they're, they're my favorite food. Like overall, like literally my favorite food. So, like I, I have to, I have to rep for my favorite food right here. I love it. Uh, and so, yeah. I mean, any 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 flavor. We got parmesan garlic. We got spicy. We got mild. We got whatever. I don't really care. I'm down for it. Um, we gotta definitely have some wings while watching the game.
0: Yeah, I was gonna for a second there. I was gonna kind of bash you for picking wings because that's literally like the most common food football food in general. Cause you can, you can have wings. I mean, think about it. Like out of every NFL Sunday, you're probably eating wings at, for like a quarter of those Sundays. You know what I'm saying? Like you're probably eating wings for a lot of those Sundays when you're eating. I mean, when you're watching any kind of football. So yeah, I mean, I, but again, they're, they're your favorite food. So you kind of got I, I kind of got to give you some slack there, but, uh, but yeah, my second favorite appetizer for super bowl is going to be um, pigs in a blanket. And this is one that, again, it's it's. I was kind of trying to go for foods that weren't that aren't as common that you can't really eat on the daily, I guess. Um, you, I guess you could eat pig, pigs in a blanket if you really wanted to every day. But it's one of those things where, you know, I can I can call up Papa John's right now and get a pizza delivered to me in like 20 minutes. But if I want pigs in a blanket, I got to go to the nearest grocery store. I got to buy it got to come back and i gotta like preheat the oven and then you know put the pigs in a blanket in the oven and so it's 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 a, it's a whole process it's gonna take like you know maybe an hour full round trip right so pigs in a blanket is, is one of those things that it's kind of exclusive not exclusive to super bowl but it's it's um it takes longer to cook them and longer to prepare them so i think that it's one of those things that is like you don't have them as much. It's not as common, but on Super Bowl they've got to be, they've got to be on the part of the spread. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going with pigs in a blanket. And again, it's one of the, it's another thing, you know, some, some nice spicy brown mustard or, or some nice uh, Dijon mustard. Oh yeah, dude. Those things are scrumptious.
1: That's right. So my second one and the last one overall is going to be a little bit related to my first one. It's Buffalo chicken dip. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, dude, I have never had a bad Buffalo chicken dip. Now yeah. I will say you have to have like the one that has like the baked cheese on the top, like the top layer. Cause you got to like dip your chip in there and feel a little, you got to like break apart the cheese that's on the top to get all of the nice gooey Buffalo and chicken down beneath. But seriously, like, if you want like just anything to just snack on ever, that's like such an underrated Thing. Like, you always have, like, sour cream and onion dip, or, you, you know, you got, like, some ranch dip or whatever, but it's, like, the buffalo chicken dip is, like, like home chef, like, crafted with care and love in every circumstance that it's there at, um... And I feel like it's one of those like big game appetizers that people, like I said, people aren't just going to pull that out in a random Sunday. Uh, you know, you're getting that up for the Super Bowl, uh, you know, or, or for a big college game or something. So, so yeah, so buffalo chicken dip is my is my more my more uh, you know seasonal flavor, little, little, little less 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 talked about um, you know favorite Super Bowl appetizers. So uh, so yeah, so that that wraps up our phone segment. Hopefully, you guys uh, agree with us on some of those. Um, now. Before we close out the show, I have two betting locks at a week. Once again, we are seven of five on a year. Um, and, and as I promised, I didn't want to have one last week because again, you know, there was no there, you know, there was no NFL games, there was no college games, there was the Pro Bowl, which was an absolute disaster. I actually I wanted to throw in a topic about that this week, but we may maybe we'll talk about that on Saturday and just be like now that we have this Pro Bowl over with, which is a terrible football game to watch, we can actually watch a good football game in the Super Bowl tomorrow. Um Anyway, back on topic here, my, fr- I, and I, as I promised too, I don't only really said that I would have two betting locks in a week. I would also, I would have one that's like game related side total uh, kind of deal. And then I would have one like kind of fun, exotic-y uh, prop sort of, t- sort of thing that will be available everywhere for sure. So um, the first one, the game related side, total related is I'm taking the first half under All right. Me and Hayden already talked about this without even having, you know, the, the, the betting information or whatever out there, uh, both teams are going to come out slow. They always do. I, I, I saw this somewhere that the, the second half has been the higher scoring half, right? So the second half has outscored the first half in like, 15 out of the last 20 Super Bowls I mean you know that's that's a 75% clip I would be happy to take the under in the first half in the Super Bowl and in a circumstance where right like Hayden said too like both teams as much as their quarterbacks are dynamic and they do have good wide receivers their run games is what keeps them going and both coaches love to run the ball it's very underrated because of the talent that they do have on offense you know besides the running backs but They're going to come out slow. They're going to come out running and they're going to come out not trying to put up a ton of points. And so I'm taking the first half under. Now, the number is key here. All right. If you can find a 24- Hammer the 24. I'm seeing 23 and a half in most places. And like, again, the 24 is the key number, right? Because if you're getting a 17 to 7 or you're getting, a, you know, a little 14 to 10, like that 24 number is so key just because of how the, the percentage chances of it landing on 24 is so great. And if it does land on 24 and you bet the under or you or the over, you push the bet, right? So you don't, you don't win or you lose um, in that scenario. I'm seeing it 23 and a half in most places though and so I'm going to I'm going to use that as the official pick that I'm going to give out here. I'm thinking that probably by game time it'll have gone up a little bit because once kind of your your public you know the public people and just the people who only bet on the super bowl is like the one time they bet all year they're going to be betting on the over because who doesn't want to see points right so what i'm going to do is i might even wait until kind of before the game and if if, if i see 24s across the board that's when i'm going to count my official pick as either way we're going under the first half total in the super bowl this way second betting lock of a week is an exotic one all right and it's an expensive one but I am like ninety five percent sure that this is going to happen. It is. Will the Super Bowl MVP be a quarterback? Yes, minus two hundred. Now again, like I said, it's expensive. All right, so you're going to have to, you know, if, if you're trying to win fifty bucks on this, you're going to have to throw a hundred bucks on it. But. In what situation would a skill player or a defensive player win win the Super Bowl MVP, right? Only in a situation in which the game ends like 10 to 3, right? Or there's it's low scoring or something, but there's going to be scoring in this game. And 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 I don't think that you know unless right unless like Cooper Cup is, is the only person to catch a receiver or catch a catch a pass from from Matthew Stafford and he has like three touchdowns like if there is an ungodly performance uh you know by by someone like a running back or, or a receiver then sure you know I'll, I'm fine losing that bet but like. Either quarterback is going to win, and and especially like if the Bengals win, I can guarantee you it's going to be Joe Burrow, right? Like even if even if it is low scoring, just because of you know they're the underdog, you know they had the underdog mentality this whole time, and he's been their you know their 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 leader. Like you know obviously he's going to get it. I think if the Rams win in a low scoring game, there may be a possibility. Like if Aaron Donald has like three sacks or something, he might get it. But I'm still I'm still thinking that. And has Hayden mentioned this too, right? He's like Matthew Stafford, he he's he's here. He's he's worked for this, as, you know, and hoped for this his whole career. He you know, and this is the chance to do it, and he's going to show out. So I'm pretty confident that you know either quarterback of the essentially of the winning team is going to win the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, that's that's my second betting lock of the week. So again, like I said, first one is the first half total under. If you can get 24 do that if it's 23 and a half i still like it there second one is yes quarterback will be either quarterback will be the super bowl mvp again at minus 200 so if we lose that one i'll count it as like essentially two losses because you have to lay you know two dollars to win one dollar basically is the way that the the odds work out there so those are my betting locks of the week and i will be back here on tuesday to i'm sure uh tout about my about about both of them hitting and going two and oh on these betting locks what do you think Aiden?
0: Well, my mouth is still dripping with saliva from our from our appetizers mm. uh, topic of the week, but but yeah, no, I, I think those are good those are good locks, and I think that one thing that you should do, Matt, is well, you mentioned how the your your first one, the under for the first half, um, how you might kind of wait until more until game time to to make your final decision. That should be something that you post on the Twitter, say like you know either hammer hammer the under, or if it stays at 23 and a half, then be like. I'm still for the under, but be careful because it might end up in a 17-7 situation or whatever. Um, that might be something that you can that you can put on there uh, on the Twitter, so we can start using that more. Because yeah, I have
1: to make it first though. So uh, let's not plug the Twitter oh, yeah. when there's no Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, I haven't even do I haven't plugged the Twitter. I think since our since first season with with Az, so yeah, I think Matt's gonna make a new Twitter. Um, and so. <laughs> first down dot run down without the O and the down is going to be, gone. is not the move. No. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be something better and, and I'll make sure to, to plug it in our Saturday episode and you guys can go check it out. Give it a follow. Um, If you're, if, if you're still listening at this point, but yeah, thank you guys for listening today. Um, I, I just can't wait until this weekend. It's like this week couldn't go by any slower, but, um, but yeah, trudging through. And uh, this, this weekend, we'll have an episode for you guys on Saturday. Um, maybe going to talk about some of the pro bowl, maybe even talk about some golf because that is happening too. Um, and then uh, maybe some college basketball. Cause there's, there's actually a lot happening in college basketball right now that, we need to talk about but we're just fo- so focused on on NBA, on uh nfl right now with, with the super bowl and everything so uh yeah so maybe saturday will be a conglomeration of all those things um super excited for that i know matt is too and uh yeah we'll, we'll let you guys go here and enjoy the rest of your week and we'll we'll be back on saturday